Welcome to the In Your 20s podcast, where we figure out what the we're doing in our 20s. Hello, hello, hello. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of In Your 20s. I just got back from Nashville. I'm still kind of trying to process everything that happened because it was a jam-packed weekend celebrating my birthday because, you know, airy season, go big or go home. So I will give you guys a recap on Nashville next week. But in the meantime, today's episode, y'all get your pen, get your paper, get your iPad, get your laptop out because you will be taking notes, okay? Today on the show, I have Amori app founder, Alex Weitzman. If you haven't heard of Amori app, it's basically an app that is meant for blind dating and forming deeper, real connections. Guys, you definitely need to check it out in the app store. Alex talks about the app a lot more during the episode, so I'll leave it at that for now. But besides talking about her app, we're diving in deep, y'all, into why people cheat, why dating apps don't work for a lot of people, and we talk about the dating hierarchy. Now, the dating hierarchy blew my mind when I saw it on TikTok, and Alex is going to describe it pretty well. Finding someone attractive depends on each person. Attractiveness is relative. I think that's the word I'm looking for. The dating hierarchy is very subjective to each individual person. And it's also based on dating skills. The way I might think a person is an, a 12 out of 10, someone else might find them to be a 6 out of 10. So it all depends. It's all very subjective. But Alex really kind of brings some math and some science to the dating space and the dating spheres. So hopefully you guys are able to take away some things from this. We even hit on dating scams, attachment styles, just a whole lot of things in relation to dating. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And without further ado, let's get into it. If you guys have not heard about the dating hierarchy or seen it on TikTok, (laughs) let me tell you, when my roommate showed me Alex's videos, I was freaking out because suddenly everything made sense. Any trouble that I had with dating, it was confirmed by Alex's videos. So Alex, hello. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hello. I'm doing great. Good to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Before we get into the hierarchy and everything, tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? And what's a random fun fact you've learned in your 20s? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I'm Alex. I'm 24. I live in Miami, but I grew up in Israel. I went to Stanford undergrad, studied computer science and psychology and did a lot of research on dating apps and then also built some apps in my free time. And now I'm working on my own dating app and then also making TikToks about dating. And fun fact about myself, I'm a big traveler and I love to learn languages. So I actually speak five languages from traveling and studying abroad. I studied abroad three times. Oh my gosh. What are the languages? Uh, I speak Hebrew because I grew up in Israel. Then I speak English from moving here. French, I studied in high school and studied abroad in France. And then Spanish and German, I studied in college and then also studied abroad in Germany and Spain and college. So, Oh my gosh. And my Duolingo ass, I'm still barely learning French. Parents are from Kenya, don't know the mother tongue or Swahili, but we're working on it. Okay, that's just a good start. <laughs> Duolingo, the notifications literally will be bugging me. And yesterday, for example, I was like, nope, I'm not going to be doing Duolingo. I have too much stuff to do, but today I'll get back on track. Also, okay, so you've been building apps for a while. So Mm -hmm. how did you get into the dating sphere? 
for the same reason that I love travel and cultural like exploration, I really like social connection. I think it's the thing that kind of drives me in almost everything that I do. And so I've always been a big fan of dating apps myself. I've used them while traveling to meet new people. I think the fact that technology enables us to connect with so many new people is really interesting and valuable. But at the same time, it also can have drawbacks. And that's kind of what happens with the choice paralysis that we have with dating apps, where we have so many options that we don't end up settling for anyone. And people are really suffering from it in a lot of ways, especially women, because a lot of women want something more serious, but they feel like it's all very casual and the hookup culture is just hard to get around. And so that was something that I was personally dealing with. I really wanted to kind of create a solution for that, both for myself and for other women, seeing all my girlfriends also suffering through that. So I kind of started working on that when the pandemic started because I was at home alone more. I was craving connection. I was trying to use dating apps for that, but obviously it wasn't the solution, especially when I was socially distancing. I was like, wait, that was when I realized like, oh, these apps are like very superficial. Everyone's just trying to meet up and hook up, but I don't want to meet up with anyone right now. No one's actually trying to just talk to me. So that was when I was thinking, okay. And then I watched the TV show Love is Blind. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't, but I know everyone loves to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, so for those who haven't seen it, it's, it's these people that go on dates, but they're in a pod where they can't see the other person. There's a wall between them, and then they end up falling in love through the wall and then even proposing to each other and getting married without ever seeing each other, uh, which is crazy. And I don't think it's totally realistic, but there's a lot of psychological elements of it that I found very interesting. The fact that you can become so much more vulnerable when you're kind of anonymous and that it helps you dig deeper and really find out what you're looking for and if the other person is a match for you. And so when I was watching it, I was thinking, whoa, this would be so cool if we could have an app that does something similar to this that forces you to get to know the person without constantly being like, oh, look at that person over there. Look at that person over there. You're not thinking about the way they look, but you think about who they are. So that's how my app kind of started out. But over time, I learned that it's not realistic to actually put people on a completely blind date because they find out what the other person looks like. They're like, oh, wait, I'm not attracted at all. This was a total waste of time. So we added the step in the beginning where you do like people's photos. But when you get a match, there's no photo. So it's like someone you already liked, but you just don't know who it is. Um, So it guarantees you're attracted to them. But then you are focused on their character and personality because you don't know which of your matches you're talking to if that makes sense and then you can reveal them afterwards by calling each other that is so freaking cool and adding that step really just switches how we see dating because you were saying dating is so superficial i literally go on the apps when i wake up i swipe and then i totally forget about it until nighttime swipe again And it's just this little boost of serotonin, but it doesn't fulfill me. I'm not having these groundbreaking conversations on these apps. And it's mainly because I stay on them just because it's like, oh, it's solidifying how I perceive myself. And like, oh, yeah, I think I'm attractive. I can get these matches Mm -hmm. or whoever. But tying in this first step and the dating hierarchy. So your videos definitely surround swipe online dating culture jeff allen's pyramid i know that was one of your videos can you kind of explain to us we can start off with the male side and then we can go to the female side but can you explain this dating pyramid so to speak yeah so this guy jeff allen wrote an article about the reality of online dating and why it actually doesn't work for most people at least swipe dating apps like tinder and bumble and basically he broke down different categories of levels of attractiveness of each gender, how kind of the experience works out for every level of attractiveness. So at the very top of the pyramid, you have the chads. They're the top, I think it was top 2% of men or top 10%. 
Yeah, top 2%. Don't worry, I've got my notes here. Yeah. And so the chads are the guys that can match with any woman that they swipe right on and they have the pick of the anyone they want. And they're typically the guys that will be fooling around a bit. They have so many options that there's no real reason for them to settle down. And then right below the chads, you have the jakes. The jakes are not as attractive as chads, but they are very good looking guys. And for some reason on dating apps, don't do as well as they would in real life, because actually what ends up happening with dating apps is you have more men than you do have women. And so women actually can become a lot more picky on dating apps than they are in real life. And there's been studies that also show like when they look at women versus men swiping on dating apps, women will swipe right way less than a man would because they are able to be pickier. I mean, why not? They have more options than the guys do. If you look at uh, statistics of percent men and women on dating apps, Tinder is around 80% male, 20% female. So it's like, you don't even realize how skewed it is. But that ends up being that men are in a state of scarcity while women are in a state of abundance because men will have very few options. Women have ton of options. So that's why you see that experience. Some guys will just swipe right on everyone because the odds of them getting a match are much lower than a woman's. So they're just going to be like, okay, whoever I end up with, this is easier than picking. It saves them energy. So what ends up happening is women are actually dating a category up on dating apps. But the reality is that men on dating apps, a lot of times they would hook up with anyone, like they would hook up with someone less attractive than them, but they're pickier about who they would actually date. So what that translates to is women will end up going out with these men that are the chads that actually ultimately the top 20% of men on dating apps date the top 80% of women. So that means women are all dating the same pool of guys, the same top 20% of guys. And then those men don't want to settle down because, and that's another video I made. I called it, you're single because you're hot. Um, just stitching for guys TikTok. But I was saying like, if you're an attractive woman with high standards, you probably are limiting yourself to these men. And these men don't want to settle down because they're the ones chopping through catalogs of women. And like, so yeah, and then after the Jakes, you have the Ians, I believe. So far, we've got the Chads who would say are like tens who are in the top 2%. Mm-hmm. We've got the Jakes, you know, you'd rate them maybe an eight or a nine, yeah. they're in the five to 10%. And then the Ians who are the six or sevens, I feel like we might be able to put the fives in the Ian category too. All right, yeah. (laughs) This pyramid is like, you know, it's not scientifically sound. You're ranking people based on attractiveness. So yeah, you can kind of take it any way you want. You shouldn't consider it as this is it. If I'm a whatever, an Ian, I can never date a Stephanie. That's not real. In real life, there's all kinds of variables. But yeah, we should cover the woman too. So Ians are at the bottom of the men pyramid. And then the other side of the pyramid, you have Stephanie's at the top. But note that there's also a category above Stephanie's and they're not on dating apps. The top 2% of women don't use dating apps because they're like the influencers, the celebrities, the models. They get approached on the street. They get DMs from random guys. Like they don't need Tinder to find a guy because men typically approach women. But men, you still have chads on dating apps because they're the ones having to put in effort anyway. So actually the dating app is saving them energy that they would have otherwise had to spend approaching women. It's easier for the chads on the dating apps as opposed to like really having to step out and be like, okay, let me actually approach this person. Yeah, exactly. I made up this word. I called the top 2% Jessica's. I just came up with a name. And then after the Jessica's, you have Stephanie's. They're the top. Top 10% and they're on a scale eight to nine, I guess. Yes. And then after the Stephanie's, you have the Heathers. And then after the Heathers, you have the Becca's. And so what ends up happening is the Heathers are dating Jake's which are the guys right above them. But in reality, Jake doesn't want to settle for Heather because Jake thinks he could do better in real life. And Jake, in real life, you might see Jake's dating Stephanie's, but they didn't meet on a dating app they met in real life because Stephanie's are very picky on dating apps. They'll only date Chad. 
So the most successful love story from dating apps is actually when Heather matches with an Ian and Heather actually realizes that Ian's not that bad looking of a guy. And that usually is the most successful match. And then Becca is there in an unfortunate situation where like they get matches because guys will swipe right on anybody and they're thirsty (laughs) AF. But the Beccas will end up getting ghosted or flaked on or whatever because in reality, these guys aren't that interested in real life. It's just because they're on a dating app. This hierarchy in this pyramid is so interesting to me because when I found your video, my roommate and I, we were like, okay, who in our lives can we compare? Who can we say is a Chad? And why am I like, I think we called ourselves either Heathers or Stephanie's. No, I think we said that we were Heathers, but we were just like, holy crap. And as you were explaining that the Stephanie's will go for the Jake's because the Stephanie's are like, oh, Jake is really nice. And I met him in person. A couple came to my head, not a celebrity couple. So I cannot name drop this couple in case they're listening. But it really does make sense when you think about it, especially as you were saying that the swipe culture and how you find someone attractive is very subjective. But let's say you're someone who loves to be on the dating apps and you consider yourself, let's say that you're an Ian, but you want to step up and become a Jake. Mm -hmm. How the fuck does one become a Jake or step up in the pyramid? Mm -hmm. And that's the thesis of this whole article is dating apps are so physical. Yeah, you could say, oh, like your bio could improve your chances. The reality is 90% of the decision is based on looks. You might not even read the caption. I think women read bios more than men do. But at the end of the day, if the guy's not attractive, they're going to swipe left. (laughs) The best thing for any end to do is go to the gym. (laughs) I do think photos can be very improved. I do think women do a better job of like having a very nice aesthetic on a dating app and men don't have many photos that's why you see fish photos all over tinder because it's the only time men actually have photos taken of themselves so i think men could put a little more effort into like having candid photos taken stuff where they look happy and seem like an interesting person to be with there's all kinds of ways worth like a girl's time it, yeah if you seem a little wealthy although that's not like a guy you want to attract but those are like little subtle cues you can give in your photos that make you look like a well-rounded accomplished guy that girls would be more likely to sign right now. So guys, make sure you don't have your fish photos. Take out those car pics. Um, <laughs> the selfie, you, the mirror selfies. Mirror sure. self. Oh my gosh, the mirror selfie where they're shirtless is the bane of my existence. Yeah, yeah. No one cares to see that. If you're going to take a shirtless pic, at least have the confidence to ask someone else to take it of you. At least have be on a beach or something. Like, <laughs> Yeah, make sure that your photo and what you're wearing matches the, your surroundings. Also, the mm-hmm. group photos. I'm not going to be spending five minutes trying to identify which selfie of yours matches the group <laughs> photo. I have literally spent time looking at five men's eyebrows, trying to figure out which one. I'm like, what? Oh, and the last thing I'll say for guys, the sunglasses, put them away. You are a catfish if you're wearing sunglasses. Or a hat. Okay. Do you also agree that if a guy has a hat in every photo on his dating profile, he's most likely bald or hair spinning? Red flag. (laughs) Red flag, guys, please. Oh my gosh. I was watching this video on YouTube It was from the cut and it was guys rank females based off of their dating profiles. And so one of the things that the guys were like, oh, absolutely not. Because first they didn't like really long bios, but I feel like no Mm -hmm. one really likes a long bio because it feels a little too try hardy, at least Mm -hmm. in my opinion. But the Instagram handle in bios, 
They could not stand it. What's your take on putting an Instagram bio? Yeah, putting your Instagram in your dating profile. I think it's up to the girl, but I I see why a lot of men would find that you're looking for followers. I don't think there's a very strict yes or no on that one. That's a subjective thing. When I saw it, I was like, hmm, okay, maybe I shouldn't have a handle in my bio. But then it was also like, no, because at the same time, I do want them to follow me. I'm not going to follow you back. So bring it on, guys. I I think personally, my Instagram is a good reflection of my life. So I'm sure show them like all my memes and move on. I don't care. But now in terms of females, how would you tell a Heather to step up to a Stephanie if there's a way to? Well, assuming you already have a good profile with good photos of yourself and all this stuff. I think what's difficult with women is it depends what you're looking for, right? Guys will look at tits and swipe right. <laughs> so if that's what you want, if you want something physical, you could put more bikini photos. I've actually grown out of that phase where I'm, I don't care if a guy will swipe left on me because I didn't have a bikini photo. If I'm not looking for that, he better like my face, you know? <laughs> With that, it's a challenge of what you're looking for. I would curate the photos to whatever it is that you're interested in. I would use an app that allows you to get to know someone on a deeper level and not just superficially because already girls have the upper hand. You will get more right swipes than a guy would. So it's more about how do you find the right guy that will appreciate you for yourself if that's what you're looking for. And that's also why I built my own app, which by the way, I forgot to say the name is called Amori. On my app, you have that blind thing and you also have these group rooms where you go in and you talk to people. So you go in a room, you're hanging out, mingling, and it's all kinds of people that you're talking to. So you can then see if you like the person before you even send them a like. Then if you're vibing, you can be like, okay, send a like. And if they like you back, you match and you can talk one-on-one. I like the experience of actually talking to someone before you judge them based on their appearance because as a woman it's hard to not just be appreciated just for your body (laughs) no definitely yeah that's the world that we live in like shitty as it does to say out loud but it's the truth and it is what it is so another one of your videos that i really loved you were talking about attachment styles and i was going through trying to pinpoint what my attachment style was and i'll tell you guys that a little later but How would you say attachment styles relay in online dating? Oh, that's so interesting. So yeah, so actually there's this one phenomenon that I found fascinating in the book Attached. That basically they say if you are on a dating app and you're single, most likely most of the people you're meeting have avoidant attachment styles because what ends up is these are the people that need their space, that aren't looking for relationships. That's why they're on the apps. And so you have to be aware of the fact that a lot of these people are avoidant. The super interesting, if you're looking for someone who has a healthy pure attachment style, there are like high odds that this person is in a relationship right now because if they're a good partner, if they're open and emotionally available and all this stuff, then they probably found someone already. <laughs> these are the kind of people, you, like they break up, you got to snatch them up. Like, <laughs> you're like, oh and my God. <laughs> not need the dating apps because they've been content just not shopping through a million people, but actually just finding someone they like and going for that, like a friend or something. So would you say, and guys, we'll describe the attachment styles next, but would you say that the ones who are serial daters have this secure attachment style? I'm talking about the person who you look at and they're always in a relationship. Might not be the same relationship, but they're always in one. I personally think so. I didn't read any evidence on this, but 
for my own personal observations, yeah, those are the people that are comfortable giving affection to someone. They're comfortable spending a long time with one person. They're comfortable having shared experiences and space. So they don't have any problem going into a new relationship. What I think is also interesting with secure attachment people is they know their standards really well. Like they're content whether they're alone or they're with someone. They're not anxious in the way that like they have to have someone. So I would also say serial daters could be anxious attachment if they are the kind of person that always needs to have someone. But people who are secure, they won't settle for someone who's not giving them what they need because they're just as happy being on their own. That's something I always have admired about secure attachment people. Ooh, okay. So I am definitely not secure, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That is one thing I've learned already this episode. Could you go through the other styles? I know there's anxious. We kind of touched on avoidant and fearful avoidant, right? Yeah, so there's anxious. Anxious people kind of always need validation of some sort. So if they're with someone, they need constant affection, words of affirmation, physical touch, whatever it is that they need from the person. Secure, like I said, happy with or without someone, but also very comfortable being affectionate. They don't need as much space. They're good with or without. And then avoidant people need their space so they won't get too close too fast and if they do get close with someone they kind of need like a break and there's nothing wrong with being avoidant it's just a different type of they like their independence they like their independence so them like it's a threat to be in a relationship because it's a threat to their independence but they can work it out anxious and avoidant they can date each other it's just more challenging anxious avoidant is someone who switches between being anxious and being avoidant okay so what style would you categorize yourself i'm definitely anxious attachment Okay, because I was going to say I'm definitely anxious avoidant. Oh, interesting. Like I've never been avoidant. I've always craved intimacy. I never need space unless if it's someone I just met. In my own dating life, I have settled for people that weren't worth my time just because I wanted to have someone. And then whenever I do get emotionally attached to someone, I do start getting anxious when they don't reply. I need a little more validation than a typical person, which is how I know that I'm anxious. And also anxious people have very specific ways of handling when they're anxious. They have these protective mechanisms. You basically end up either blowing up on someone or giving them the silent treatment or being passive aggressive because it's your way of trying to reclaim that state of power. You want them to give you attention. So let's say someone is not applying to you for a few days and you get really hurt and then you purposely stop applying to them because you want them to be like, is everything okay? But most of the time, that's not a very healthy way. Like you need to actually tell them how you're feeling and instead of attacking them or being mad at them for something that you maybe exaggerated a little bit yeah alex i don't know if you're talking from personal experience there but i felt that one i was like dang has she seen the shit i've been through because i am that way and i think that's the reason why i think i'm both anxious and avoidant because when i am really into someone and then they start waning away a little bit i'm like did i do something wrong i get totally in my head i need that constant validation but then there are other times where i'm starting to get to know someone or i might be kind of into them but as soon as they push just a little too much or they're a little bit too responsive i'm like no you are the last thing on my mind i do it subconsciously like they'll send me a text and then i'll look at the text get ready to respond something else catches my attention Next thing you know, I haven't talked to them for the entire day. And I'm like, oops, it's not that I'm not necessarily interested in you. It's just that because of the way that you're moving, I'm like, "Mm." that's not just an avoidant thing. I think 
Okay, I think something with people who have anxious attachment styles, there's this magnetic attraction between anxious people and avoidant people. It almost validates your own philosophy, like no one loves me. And for the avoidant people, it also validates their own philosophy. Oh my god, someone's trying to pin me down and like I need to get away. But somehow that almost pulls them together because you have all these highs and lows of the anxious person will keep getting no attention and like freak out about it. But then as soon as they get the attention again, whoa, oh my god, is this love? (laughs) They get so excited about it because the low was so low and then the high is so high. And what ends up happening is if you're an anxious person and then suddenly you're dating like a secure person you're not used to like getting that validation and so actually you you almost see it as is there no chemistry here like am i not in love versus actually what happened with an avoidant person is you thought it was love but it was actually literally an addiction to the validation so i also found that very interesting because it's very true for me too that someone will be totally sweet and nice to me and does everything right and i'm like is something wrong what is going on and i'm wait i don't know if there's a spark (laughs) but it's really important to not think that way and to let the attraction develop without making those assumptions Wow. Okay. So my mind, whoa. Okay. Alex, I cannot even begin to explain the way that my brain is moving light years right now. It's all just starting to make sense and it's all really clicking because I think of past relationships or a guy that I was just seeing and I'm thinking to myself, wow, it's because I enjoyed that roller coaster. I'm getting my validation, but then he's not paying attention to me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And it just kept going and going. Do you think there's a way for people to switch out of different attachment styles like is there a way for an avoidant person to somehow become like so secure yeah actually in the book they talk about how attachment styles are not permanent so they last a few years or so but they could change based on some life event I think they were talking about like births when you give birth to a child or something that could be a big life event or if you're dating someone secure it could make you secure so i actually believe for myself i've actually never been in a very long relationship like my longest relationship was four months and when i took all the quizzes for attachment styles in other relationships in my life i'm secure with everyone like friends family everything and also i was raised in a way that i was very secure with my family they gave me all the validation i needed there are some theories saying like however you were treated as a child that's your attachment style now but but actually it's been shown that there are more factors that contribute to that i know that mine is not because the way i was treated as a child may a little bit but not to a big extent i wasn't abandoned or anything but actually i think it's because of my history with dating because i always go through these toxic flings that end abruptly and then at the end of the fling I realize do people not care about me and then it ends up becoming this cycle where every single time I go into something I'm more and more anxious because maybe it'll happen again so I think once someone goes into a long-term secure relationship like I strongly feel that if I were to go into a really long-term secure relationship I would go out of that relationship feeling completely different and having a very different attachment style also there's this book that I'm reading I actually have it next to me let me read the title my therapist recommended it for me and I haven't gotten very far into it, but it's called Radical Forgiveness. And it's a revolutionary five stage process to heal relationships, let go of anger and blame, find peace in any situation by calling it tipping. And in the first chapter, he's talking about it's called Jill's story. And it's about uh, forgiveness, or trying to find radical forgiveness. So I was telling my therapist, I always end up in these situationships. And I just don't know why. And then she was like, read this book and get back to me. This book explained it because she was saying that the first time that you were in this long-term situationship, because in your childhood, you were thinking to yourself, oh, like I'm not that pretty, all this stuff, like I'll never find someone. I was 
exuding that energy into the first situationship that I was in. Then it ended whatever. I thought I was on my hot girl shit. Somehow I found myself in another situationship, almost the exact same as the one prior. And it was because I hadn't found a way to heal from that first situationship and understand to myself that no, I am a valuable person. I am enough. So it's finding that forgiveness in order to become more secure. The way I'm explaining it might be a little frazzled, guys, but literally read this book. And Alex, so with all that said about these attachment styles, some relationships, there ends up being a cheater or cheating happens. Do you think cheaters are a specific attachment style? Actually, I think it's been shown avoidant. People tend to cheat more. That's been proven. But yeah, I mean, I also have done research on cheating. I I made a video about that too. That one did pretty well. Cheating, there's some very interesting gender differences in the reasons why people cheat. By the way, studies across time have shown men cheat more than women, although the statistics vary a lot based on the study because people lie about that or they keep it secret. What's been shown as the reason why most men cheat is they cheat for sexual variety. So they're out of town, they had this opportunity, and they were like, why not? Let's try it out, something with someone new. And with women, it's mostly because they're unhappy with their relationship. You might think, oh, that's obvious. If you're unhappy with your relationship, you're going to cheat. But actually, when you look at men cheating, whether or not they're happy, they will cheat the same amount. So that's the most interesting difference is women will cheat because they're unhappy, whether emotionally, sexually, or anything like that. But men will cheat regardless because they want more sexual variety. It's interesting. (laughs) The way I just rolled my eyes, I'm sorry to all the male listeners here, but sometimes y'all ain't shit. I don't want to blame men as a whole. It's a biological thing. Men are evolutionarily meant to have more sex and proliferate and make more babies. And women are the ones getting pregnant. There's evolutionary explanations for everything, but that doesn't mean it's morally okay. If you're in a relationship and you want to have sex with someone else, just end it because you're monogamous. You chose to be that way. Don't lie to someone. Exactly. And also in that video, because I watched it too, you had said that most women who end up cheating, they have longer term affairs. So it goes back to what you were saying that women cheat because they're unhappy, whether sexually or emotionally. So they are trying to find that new person in order to cling on to in order to fill that void, right? Yeah. So women's actually, there's some theories on why women cheat evolutionarily. And one of them is they want to have resources from one guy while having emotional and sexual like stimulation from another guy because women might need a backup way of survival when evolutionarily women are the childbearing ones so they need resources and support so that's why that's the men's role so they might be dating a beta guy who's providing that those resources but going and cheating with like some alpha guy that is really like more exciting early yeah like super masculine or something like i can treat you right but actually doesn't he just treats you right physically oh my gosh i just think in terms of cheating like i haven't been cheated on but some of the guys that i've seen or talked to they've said to me like yeah my last relationship was super toxic because there was cheating involved And so I always think to myself, oh my gosh, what would I do if I was in that situation? And I think I would personally spiral. But do you, and this is the last one I'll ask about these attachment styles, when it comes to being the one who is cheated on, do you think anxious people are more likely to be cheated on as compared to avoidant Mm -hmm. or secure? Interesting. I can't give an answer to that because I don't know. 
but I'm trying to think about the behaviors. Maybe just because there's a lot of anxious avoidant relationships, then I could see it happening because avoidant people are more likely to cheat. But I wouldn't say there's anything that anxious people do that would cause them to get cheated on more. But I do think if someone gets cheated on, they're more likely to develop anxious behaviors because they're more likely to feel like there's risk in every relationship. They lose trust in people over time. Right. If you are the secure type and then that happens, it could fuck you up. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) I'll say it super simple. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. I really do want to talk just a little bit more about Amori app because- (laughs) This app sounds incredible, guys. It's on the App Store, right? Mm-hmm. It's only for Apple at the moment, but yeah, it's on the App Store. So <laughs> what's next for Amori? What do you see for the future? Because you are a female entrepreneur doing the damn thing in the tech industry. That's insane. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, we built Amori, like I said, for people who want more meaningful relationships. And so far, we're already seeing that people on it are like really connecting on a deeper level. We've already had our first success story. There was a couple that met. The guy was from Michigan. The girl from was from L.A. And he flew to visit her. And then he flew back to visit her again. They were, like, talking on the phone every day. And he's going back for her birthday. And he's probably moving there for his job anyway. So let's hope that, that continues. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're exclusive now. The really interesting part with Amori is it's not just for dating. It's a whole community that we've built up. That there's a lot of people on there for friendships. Because you go into these group rooms. And there's a whole community that's been built around that. And people are meeting up in person as well that just as friends that met through the app. And you don't really see that for most dating apps. And the other really interesting thing is you can go on there and talk about your dating life with anyone you want. So these conversations that we're having, people are having them on the app all the time. Like, am I anxious? Am I avoidant? One girl like would go on dates and every time after the date, she'd go into the room and be like, hey guys, I went on this date. Like, what do you guys think? If you're way to just let it all out and get advice from people that you might never meet because they might be far away, but you might also meet them and you'll form a romantic connection. So it's been really cool. Awesome. Um, is it available across the US? Yeah, right now we've expanded to the whole US. Because we're early, you might have matches that are not as close to you. But uh, we have a lot of people in New York, Miami, LA, San Francisco, and Chicago, and people across Canada also. So yeah, if you're in any of those cities, but also if you're outside that range, we do have people everywhere. So you might meet someone who knows. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, And it's also your way of trying out Love is Blind on your phone. Um, Yeah, it's it's Amori, A-M-O-R-I. You just look it up on the app store. It's the first choice there. Y'all, see, you ain't even have to get casted for Love is Blind. We have the experience for you right at your (laughs) fingertips. So definitely go check it out. And Alex, please, please, please drop your handles and where people can find you. My TikTok handle is Alex Weitzman. Alex is A-L-E-X Weitzman, W-E-I-T-Z-M-A-N. And then my Instagram is the same thing, but with an S in the middle. So it's Alex S. Weitzman. And then I also have a meme page on Instagram about COVID-19 dating. And we're at like 55,000 followers now. Doing pretty well. So <laughs> check yeah. that out if you like memes. And the Amori page is amori.app on both TikTok and Instagram. Perfect, guys. I'm going to have all of the links in the show notes. So definitely check out Alex and her content. Check out Amori. Do all of it seriously go check it out and alex again i cannot say thank you enough because Um, i have learned so much during this it has been splendid and guys thank you so much for tuning into another episode of in your 20s if you enjoyed today's episode leave a review share this episode with your friends because i know for a fact that some of y'all's friends need to listen to this my name's tina with an h and i'll catch you next wednesday